So, Alyssa. Yes, Clark. What was the first moment in this movie where you realized that it might be a little bit of a dumpster fire? Dobby. Dobby? Dobby. Mm, okay, okay. I forgot how much I hate Dobby in this movie. Really? I really forgot how much I hate Dobby in this movie. Out of all the things in this movie, Dobby's what got you, huh? I mean, the you asked the first, the oh, okay. first yeah. moment. This is true. He's on, he's on screen in like the first three minutes. <laughs> I actually got it before that though. I was I was definitely triggered before that. Talking to Hedwig was it? Talking to Hedwig? No, talking to Hedwig was fine. What got me is when uh, they were doing the like Petunia's like I will be sitting here mm-hmm. waiting for them to arrive, and then Dudley's like I will answer the door. And at first I'm like, why does this need planned out? This is like as simple as it gets. You liked that in the book. It was okay in the book. But then they all turn and look at Harry and then Petunia and Dudley walk next to the father, whatever his name is. Vernon. Vernon. And all three of them just stare at him. And Vernon's like, and you? And I'm like, oh, this is really awkward and not how humans behave at all even close and then he et to harried him so that was the first moment for me and then the second moment was definitely when ron's like oh and by the way happy birthday yeah as they flew off in the flying car well well they didn't have chapter titles saying the worst birthday so you didn't know that it was harry's birthday because no one was going to celebrate harry's birthday yeah and there wasn't room in all that awful exposition from Dobby for Harry to complain about how it's his birthday and he hasn't heard from his friends. Mm-hmm. He could have slipped it in there when he was talking about how he hasn't heard from his friends all summer. Nope, even there it was, was no birthday. room. No room at all. <laughs> well, for those of you just tuning in, uh, this very special final what season finale yes. of Wordstruck, we are talking about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the motion picture, directed by Chris Columbus. Yes, yes. Maybe I will edit music in if I find it deserving. Uh, um, man, I really wanted to like this movie. I really wanted to like it. Um, I forgot that I... I think that I liked this movie better than the first one when I was a kid. Okay, I could see that. Because there are arguably fewer changes in yeah. this movie from the book i'd say that's part of the book's downfall though is that it tried way way too hard to be to cover lots of things in the book i think it should have murdered more darlings and perhaps have just completely adapted certain scenes to to how a movie does things as opposed to how a book does things i feel like the translation was lost in a lot of places so the uh This time around, to sort of help guide us a little bit, so we don't just go on a chronological journey through Mm. this film that we both struggled with. Yes. um, I sort of divided discussion up into a couple of different sections. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not not set on the order. Do you care about the order? No, no. Let's... Let's maybe start with um, just talking about, in general, casting. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a lot of our characters were precast from the last film, and we've talked about how 
great we thought they were then. Yeah. yeah. Were there were there any changes from like, oh man, I loved this person in the last movie and they disappointed me this time around, or I didn't like them in the last movie? No, um, I still disagree with how the director chooses to handle Snape. Um, I mm-hmm. think that the fact that Snape knows a lot more about the books than we do and that's that the director knows a lot more about the books than we do at the point of us watching this movie. I feel like he treats Snape way differently than he would handle Snape if it was your first time or second time seeing him, um, if that makes any sense. So I still don't like what he did with Snape, but Alan Rickman is, still does a great job. Uh, so He's a formidable presence on screen, even though Snape is really a minor character in this in this book in this yeah. movie he's like he's got a bigger role in the movie than he did in the book mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. and i think that he proved to be more menacing than lucius malfoy even though lucius malfoy tried so hard to be menacing to the point of taking harry at one point and pushing him aside with his cane because he's that much of a bad guy but snape still did a better job of being like no but i actually am very clever and very cunning but i don't feel like i need to prove it and I feel like the duel was a very good example of that and how he remained composed throughout the duel. Um, so, no, I'm not disappointed um, with any characters. Any, I mean, any more than the first book. I still don't like Dumbledore. I still think McGonagall is fantastic. Um, Moaning Myrtle was as annoying as she should as be. As she could be. <laughs> yeah. I still think... I don't know, man. I can't tell if like the whole pigtails and whiny voice thing like is that it's almost like fetishistic i don't i don't know it's weird i don't know if i'm supposed to like her character in any way or if she's just supposed to be completely terrible um but i don't know they cast someone with a really perfect voice and demeanor for it so someone who is quite a bit older than moaning mortal actually was yeah i don't know if i quite bought that she was a 12 year old yeah definitely didn't buy that Hence the weird fetishistic thing where it's like, nope, this is a 20-something-year-old woman in a schoolgirl outfit with pigtails. Um, But no, it was good. Uh, I think the... Oh, boy. I I think Fred and George were criminally under... Underutilized. Underutilized, and really, I hope I'm proven wrong later, but undercast. Whoever they picked, these, these Weasley brothers just suck. No energy no fun like I, I want their hair to be like messy and then to be high energy and running around but these guys were just like grim reapers just walking around with their heads pretty much down barely say anything sort of awkward like i don't i don't like yeah they almost remind me of the vultures in in jungle book <laughs> the <laughs> like, beatles vultures yes or, yeah just kind of like we're, we're just kind of chill and over yeah. here and doing our thing and eh, you know yeah totally and, um whereas they're they're rambunctious yeah in the book and they are they make some really poor choices for cheering people up but it's like extreme yeah it's, it's yeah. on the they commit the, man yeah they don't they don't do anything halfway so yeah yeah uh, uh i guess that's about all i have for quibbles uh tom riddle the casting was good uh gilderoy lockhart i think yeah yeah pretty yeah. good kenneth branagh is maybe my favorite part about this whole really? film he every time he came on screen i was just like you are even better than last time you're even <laughs> better than last time oh my goodness yeah. he was such a perfect cast in my mind and 
and despite the fact that he plays an obnoxious character that we have troubles with of why he is the way that he is yeah. and what his motives are, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed every single time he was on screen. Yeah, yeah. I definitely enjoyed him. He, he kind of reminds me of... Um... Like when Mike Myers tries to do that really likable character type person. Okay. He almost reminded me of what Mike Myers thinks he is when he's trying to be that likable, smarmy guy. Like, I I think in Mike Myers' mind, he's like, yeah, I'm really pulling this off. They think I'm just smarming and charming and handsome. And it's like, no, no, you're not that. But this is what he wants to be. And he actually pulls it off. So yeah, good casting choice with Lockhart. Um, And let's, let's go back a little bit to Lucius Malfoy because I think some of that is poor writing. Oh, 90% of it's poor writing. But also like like Malfoy versus Snape. Mm -hmm. That was a really interesting analysis where, where Snape is a real, he's a psychological, uh, he's 100% psychological warfare. Oh yeah. And Lucius Malfoy is supposed to be psychological warfare and they make him, brute force yeah brute force status warfare yeah but Mm. they don't give us the fist fight between lucius Mm. malfoy and arthur weasley and i was like this is the strangest mix of you haven't like you make him this sort of physically aggressive person yeah not not like rage filled physically aggressive but physically aggressive he's not a loose cannon about to explode no but he does like he makes things so physically if, yeah he's forceful and and yet we don't even we, we get like the most polite so english interaction between him and arthur weasley and they are just very clearly on either side of each other and i really wished that we could have seen that like just total de- like disintegration into fisticuffs yeah it would have required a lot more explanation exposition and we've already seen that they're not necessarily good at that i feel like they would just speak the exposition at each other and then Mm -hmm. start throwing blows can we just talk about that bookstore scene in general sure because i thought that hit such a wrong note for me um Again, I don't want to just come on here and talk bad about this whole movie. I'm sure, like, if I had watched it when I was a kid, there were so many things that I just would have glossed over and I would have been like, oh, that was a good movie. It included so many good scenes. The spider scene was awesome. The Chamber of Secrets was awesome. And those things are true. Like, they got some really, really cool moments. Um, But I watched it when I was a late in my 20s, super analytical. So this is what you get. Uh, The bookstore. Um, I liked it at first. Best part was meeting Lockhart. Yes, that yes. that whole scene, that showing like Mrs. Weasley fixing her hair and like mm. she wore earrings and there was like little details of like oh and like Hermione doesn't quite know the situation yet, but she's like picking up like yeah. oh this guy seems seems interesting and Ginny's kind of there too mm-hmm. and and all of the women there's just something very real and organic about that situation of like this is what a book signing of a really popular attractive dude looks like yeah i 100 percent buy this and then i really enjoyed um i enjoyed the malfoy scene the the draco malfoy scene really i did oof 
I thought I I enjoyed it not because of the writing because it was really off awfully expositiony, but it was it wasn't until his dad came in that it started to be like I'm going to define you based on things that you were wearing and and explain things to the audience through my words yeah. about you yeah. and why we are on different sides like Malfoy Draco Malfoy the, the, that burden wasn't put on him I didn't I didn't feel like and I thought Tom Felton did a really nice job with making his lines just be bratty kid yeah I yeah, I, I think my main issue wasn't with uh, Draco Malfoy's acting. Honestly, like, this is one thing I had in my notes. <laughs> I, I don't really take that many notes, but this time I'm like, blocking, 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 blocking. I can almost hear as, like, Harry is moving, like, they're moving out of the bookstore and Draco's up on the staircase. I can hear, like, the director being like, all right, uh, Draco, Enter from stage left, staircase, three, two, one, start walking and go. And like, I could just hear the stage direction and how, like, it looked like a like a college musical where there's the person on the stairwell and you can see him on the stairwell and then he starts walking. It just felt so poorly blocked. Like, again, this is not how people walk. This is not how people move around each other. I think... That your issue there isn't necessarily, like, the stage-like quality of it, but the Mm -hmm. fact that so much of the movie Mm. and all of the book is from Harry's perspective. And so that is a rare time that we get to see someone approaching Harry when Harry doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. And they did it wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah. There's the car driving up to his window Mm -hmm. but even that he heard it so like that is the first like that is one of the first times that harry has been surprised by something yeah i wonder if that's some of the discomfort it could be i think it's also just just again the simple notion that like this is not how people walk or move around in a room much less a crowded room like it's just not how people behave. they're kids they wander they don't walk in an efficient way and sometimes you bump into people when you're school shopping at the one place that you can get your school supplies yeah i that part is not unbelievable to me yeah i don't know something just didn't ring right um but yeah, I, Lucius. When Lucius Malfoy came in and did pretty much like you said, explain exactly why he is. You better. are Weasley and therefore despicable because X Y Z. Plus, like, how did Lucius Malfoy go his whole life having not seen Ron? I, that's what I don't get. Like, he's like red hair, crappy clothing. You must be a Weasley, and it's like, dude really like first of all why would you say that to a kid second of all like there's no pictures of ron anywhere in the office there's no you've worked with uh, it just they don't work together Mm. malfoy and weasley oh do not work together malfoy's on the governor's he govern he's a governor right yeah oh which is hogwarts oh i thought he was a governor for the ministry of magic which is how he knew cornelius He's just of a high standing and a wealthy family, and so he... Oh, he's a contributor. He's the 1%. Gotcha. <laughs> hmm. Well, I don't know. That whole Lucius Malfoy thing, he just didn't feel right. The whole thing was weird. Uh, but I think maybe enough said on that. We're on the same page there, right? Yeah. So... 
Let's see. Um, what about Nocturne Alley, or do you want to talk about the the hovel? Oh, what is the, it called? The burrow. The oh burrow. my god! I'm so sorry. It's been one is a much brings about much warmer thoughts than the hovel. The hovel. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not fancy. What's, what should you talk about? Nocturne or the, Let, the let's um let's talk about some set action oh, because. Yeah. That was one thing that uh, I think this movie did infinitely better than the last movie. Mm. And it was just delightful to watch mm. the sets that they created for this movie, particularly the burrow. I wish we got more time with it, though. I know. It was be- it was it was so um, beautiful. Yes, but real and lived in and homey and I could like smell it. I could like smell it and I could feel the sunlight as it came through the windows and I could smell the the fresh rolls and I could and and it was just great. It was great. I could imagine it full of kids when they mm. were all growing up. Mm-hmm. I can imagine what those family lives looked like. I can imagine like looking at the kitchen table and all the chairs were different. It's like you just accumulated those as you had kids. Yep. Yep. Like Shoot, we got another one. <laughs> yep. And one of your friends is like, well, I'm looking to get rid of chairs. You want them? And you're like, I'll yes. take one yes. of them. <laughs> we don't have room for all of them. Uh, yeah, the burrow was, it was so pretty. I wish that we had more time with it. Um, I really wanted to hear Harry try to explain what a rubber duck was. Um, I, I think that was a definitely a way to shorten a lot of things to consolidate a whole bunch of things where he's like, oh, let me ask about one random muggle thing. And that's the whole extent of me being curious about muggles. Um, but it was funny. And they picked a good thing, like a rubber duck. Like, that's a good question. <laughs> Most muggles couldn't answer that question, which is probably why Harry didn't. He's like... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. What is the function of a rubber duck? <laughs> yeah. Are you asking? Or, yes. Oh, what is the function? Um, oh, boy, I don't want to get too existential here. But <laughs> for one, I mean, it's just a... I can't tell if you really want me to go on this, but it's just a time te- it's a time-tested form factor, all right? It needs to be big enough that a baby can't swallow it. It needs to be durable enough that a baby can't, like, tear it apart. It needs to always float. It needs to be bright and colorful so you can see through their bubbles and it needs to be an immediately recognizable animal or figure or something but what's its purpose entertainment okay that's just sheer entertainment because like you're chilling in the bathtub what else is there to do do you you think it maybe also like subconsciously teaches babies physics Oh, babies are constantly learning physics. Yeah, I mean, babies, it's, that's why it's they just keep... another tactile way to learn how the world, how to interact with the world. It could be. That's why they're always pushing stuff off of things because they're just testing gravity over and over and over. Are and babies over again. just cats? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> babies are less cool cats that require way more effort. Oh, it's terrible. I'm not sure about that last assessment of requiring way more effort or being less cool. I don't know. Yeah, babies are way less cool. <laughs> Though I will say, uh, if you listen to my other podcast, Into the Echo, you're probably sick of me talking about this, but there are 17 baby goats at my workplace right now. <laughs> so I am surrounded by kids. Baby And not goats. the annoying <laughs> kids that like ruin your airplane ride, but like the cool kids that jump on their moms and drink from udders. 
<laughs> yep. I'm calling. Anyway, uh, the so borough. The borough was great. Um, yeah. What did you want to say about Nocturne Alley? You wanted to talk about Borgen and Burke's the the store, or or the really awful interaction outside of the store that happened? Uh, yes. We <laughs> <laughs> just Nocturne Alley was just a wash. Just a wash. I think it only existed to plant a seed of like maybe Hagrid's up to no good because he was there. That's like the only reason it existed. I really, I loved the set, though. I loved oh. Borgen and Burks. I yeah. loved getting to see it. I loved that Harry got to interact with things. Yeah. Um, there is, uh, you You probably didn't watch it, um, there's a deleted scene that is the Malfoys in Borgen and Burks and Harry what? hiding. No, I didn't um, watch that. So, it, I mean, it was a deleted scene. So, yeah. uh, I think Borgen and Burks would be worth it much more mm. if that if we had that scene because yeah you're right without it there's there's a little moment of fear of where did harry end up and oh this is scary and if you don't know the story he might not be okay you don't know what journey he might go on and oh he's saved by hagrid the end like it's it has a very swift resolution yeah and it sort of leads you down a a a short rabbit trail of harry's not gonna be okay very short and very not earned. And then he's like preyed upon in the alley Ugh. for no reason. Come talk to Come us. us. Come follow uh, us. We'll show like, you things. That's what people say on Halloween to kids walking by as they're giving candy. Oh yeah. Like like this, I'm just gonna mess with you kids. Yeah, this is troll bridge. Yeah. Trolling. It's it, not good. It's so bad. They may as well have just had someone like being electrocuted to strobe lights in the background just just to show how wicked Here, it is. Let me pull some sausage links <laughs> from this bag behind you so it looks like I'm taking Ooh. out your intestine. They may have well have been like, put your hand in this box, it's full of eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they taste like grapes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was real bad. And I didn't like Harry uh being like, oh, look, a decrepit hand with no description. Guess I better actually, like, hold the hand for some reason. Put my hand entirely up in this other hand, and then when it snaps down, eh, eh, eh. It's fun for kids, I'm sure. Um, I liked that just because I think it shows how curious Harry is and Mm. also how he doesn't really have a reasonable fear of this world. Yeah. And he yeah. probably should. He really should. But he doesn't really... He didn't grow up believing that the world is full of magical things that can hurt you. Mm. He grew up believing that magic doesn't exist and it's full of people who can hurt you. Oh. Sad. Yeah, but yeah. but the tangible world is not his enemy. The tangible world somehow magically always um, allows for him his hair grows back. And... Yeah, that's a really good point. The tangible world has messed him up a few times, but it's like always undoable. I mean, if he can take a bite from a basilisk and then a phoenix is just like, I gotcha. Like, yeah, I could see why he'd be a little bit fearless. Oh, can we talk about just magic in general, though? Sure. We saw a lot of magic in this. We did. It's like, true. actual, like, I was really pleased with how many different types of spells we saw different approaches to magic um like during the duel the spells were different um what else was there like i feel like there was a couple in there were a couple instances i forget exactly but where it's like they tried a couple different spells 
to get the same result and it was never just the exact same spell man i wish you could think of a better example um but i was really pleased with um actually seeing magic in the movie i feel like there's more magic in the movie than in the book yes yeah i 100 percent agree with that one part that actually irritated me was hermione fixing harry's glasses oh. in diagon alley and i'm like that's cute that like you want to show that she's smart and she's capable and she can do that. But that mm-hmm. that's actually breaking the rules. And we've already established that in this movie. Like, that has become a thing that... Has that become a thing? Yes, it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because because the owl swoops in and, and drops the letter on Mrs. Mason. Mm-hmm. And, like, everyone's freaking out. And so we've already established that kids can't do magic outside of school and even if you do magic in proxim or if someone else does magic in proximity of you and and the school knows that you're not yeah that's a, a no magic zone basically i guess you're gonna get in trouble i guess i just kind of explained that a ways where it's like okay so mcgonagall got a letter on her thing from an saying hermione used the spell repair glasses on harry potter and she's like okay fine <laughs> like <laughs> that's okay i guess like what's the big deal it's hermione uh but you're right it does break the movie's own rules um that were explained to us very it's, <sighs> directly i i sort of i i much prefer the book version which is mr weasley mm. fixing his glasses because i feel like harry becomes an honorary weasley mm-hmm really early on in his relationship with Ron, but this is when he meets Mr. Weasley. And for Mr. Weasley to take care of Harry, I think is, it, like, it's just a little thing of, I'm just going to fix your glasses. But it's a little thing that, like, that's what dads do. Yeah, yeah. They, they fix the things on their kids. And, and Harry never had that. Yeah, and so I, I much prefer that, partly because it's legal and Mm. and it doesn't get into some gray areas of why is magic why is underage magic enforced here and not here yeah or in this way and not this way it avoids that and also creates a bond that we don't really get to witness in the movie there were a lot of missed opportunities yeah uh but yeah uh, it definitely did show off that Hermione's the smart one, and it's it, it was one of those again weird character reintroductions of the movie was trying to like have its cake and eat it too, where it was completely reliant on you having read the books to understand the movie, but at the same time it was like acting in such a way that no 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 if you're watching this for the first time you'll understand what's happening, like or even like if you've seen the first movie you'll understand what's happening. And I think it kind of, it it tries to like, I, I'm not convinced that if you haven't read the book, you would understand what was happening or that any of the transitions would make sense. Um, they tried to keep too much in, mm-hmm. which seem, is a really hard thing for me to, e- for me to even say. Yeah. But there were so many scenes that I just wanted more time of dialogue and more more time to actually like see Harry wonder something before he connected the dots. Yeah. Yeah. Or to see Harry ask a question expecting to get a different answer and then and then getting an answer that surprises him and then being able to piece it together because someone responded differently. 
Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. And and I think a big part of it too is, and this is one thing I kept thinking again and again throughout the movie, this scene lasts exactly as long as it needs to, to get the point across that they're trying to get across with this scene. There's no whimsy. There's no, like, it's, it just kills me because as someone who like, I really like Quentin Tarantino's style of storytelling where he will show these long extended clips of just an everyday scene and the life and you really soak it in and it might not apply to the rest of the movie that much but just taking that moment to see who that person really is when their guards down when no one's looking when there's not high pressure situations and you just get to see these people having this conversation i i love that so much but movies like this just don't allow for it. And that's not Chris, Chris Columbus's fault. It's, it's the movie. It's the genre's fault. Oh, I think it's the writing. I think it's 100% the writing. Mm. And, and, and getting a little too wrapped up in the effects. Yeah. Because there, there were three scenes that went way too long. Ooh, is Quidditch one of them? Quidditch was one of them. Oh, thank you. Way too long. So long. Um, and the Chamber of Secrets was way too long. There, there were like whole times in there that is like you're you're mm. spending more time here trying to put bows on things. Yeah. When we could actually get this in Dumbledore's office later, like it is in the book, in a little more organic of a way than right now. Not gonna lie, I didn't hate the chamber. I kind of liked the chamber. I liked most of the chamber. I think it dragged on too long. Yeah, I would agree. As I was. Uh... So I watched it the first time through just on like an Amazon rental, and then the next time I watched it through, my rental had expired, so I found a copy that had fallen off of a truck on the internet. Um, <laughs> just found it laying How there are those in the road. Trucks. <laughs> yeah, the internet is just a series of trucks and tubes. Uh, so I found a copy that had kind of fallen off of a truck and watched it, and I'm just like, wow, this scene really does go on for a long time because i was just kind of scrolling through it like when i reread a chapter i'll just like go every few pages every whatever uh just skim it and i was like watching the thumbnails on the bottom as i was moving across the timeline and i'm like still in the chamber still in the chamber i'll move five minutes up still in the chamber what like how is like a quarter of this movie in the chamber it's (laughs) not a quarter but more than it should be and way more than the books yeah, I I think all all of the scenes that felt too long were too long at the end. Mm. Like I think a lot mm. of them built like the Quidditch scene built naturally and then just that absurd chase with Malfoy. Yep. It's like, yep. no, this is a fast catch. It's a fast catch, his arm breaks and then it's over. Yep. And you could save a couple of minutes, I think. Literally a couple of minutes. To yeah. to actually give some breathing room for your dialogue yeah and yeah it's not it's not as flashy but it would be so much more enjoyable and and i i think that's i i agree that that's a a little bit of a function of the genre of we have to do these like x number of flashy things yeah in a fantasy movie but they didn't even pull off the flashy though because the whole thing is like well now they're under the stadium or to the side of the stadium and they're dodging rafters and it's like Okay, cool. They dodged a couple rafters, but then they just kept dodging rafters for like two more minutes. And I'm like, eh, please, please end it. This bludger, like, 
they're just gonna let this bludger tear the Colosseum apart like really like at a certain point man I think uh, also I didn't really like what that meant for Malfoy's character Mm. because I really like the theory that Malfoy's really good but that he's not concerned with being really good at Quidditch he's concerned with putting Harry down yeah and so then when it becomes two minutes of Malfoy trying to beat Harry it I mean it makes sense but I so much preferred Malfoy lost because Malfoy didn't have his head in the game yep Malfoy was too busy making fun of Harry not that Malfoy wasn't fast enough because really Malfoy should have been just as fast with the broom even though he is less experienced those brooms are real nice. Mm-hmm. Those are good-looking brooms. I man, whoever decided to do that like little upgrade from 2000 to 2001, they nailed that. That's it's, a it's nice design. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so that and, and it, yeah, so it's problematic from an actual like Harry up against Malfoy should have been really concerning because of that equipment yeah. upgrade. Yeah, and instead Harry can fly neck and neck. Sure, he's talented, but at some point that yeah. that While better dodging, equipment's gotta get better. Yeah. While and, dodging a bludger too. So like not only is he on worse equipment, but he's also having to constantly dodge stuff. It just doesn't check out. But uh I think we're also talking too long about this. Yeah. Let's move on to <laughs> So um and then the other scene that I thought just went way too long purely because of effects mm-hmm. was Aragog. Oh yeah. The, yeah. I liked it, and I liked it, and I liked it, and then the car took them away, and then, stopped, and then they're like, we're going to send the army after you for spiders. miles. And I was like, this, why? Yep. Why is this the way that this is? I completely, at that exact same moment, I'm like, what? Like, we we had that moment. They were trapped. There were spiders on all sides. The car got them out. And now, Get them out, deposit oh. them in the like courtyard of the castle, and be done. Yep. And save yep. us two or three minutes for dialogue. And it's, it's the exact same thing of the flying car going in front of the train, where not only is it in front of the train, and that's scary because they have to outrun the train, but then Harry falls out the door, and Ron has to tell him three times, hold on, Harry, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> and then he's like, grab my hand. And I think he said that two or three times, too. And at one point, I'm like, stop that. Stop that. You, uh, why is he dangling out of a car? Why are you telling him to hold on? Why are you telling him to hold on again and then again? And it's just terrible. It's bad. Is this movie just mm. an argument to wear your seatbelt? Yes. <laughs> that whole thing is just a PSA. Very elaborate, expensive PSA. Uh, yeah. So I, I loved, though, seeing the car... Um, I've actually, I've been to that viaduct. Oh. Um, and it's gorgeous. Mm. And I love, I love that, that set. I love that. It's not a set, but yeah. I love that scenery yeah. and putting them there. And so I, I'm glad that that scene existed. It mm-hmm. just, it went too long. And yeah. it, it, Especially it's for, because two you know, two kids getting tired of driving for eight hours is not as interesting. No. But that's the problem that they have, is we get tired and bored and we're kids. 
And so we don't want to keep doing this anymore. And why aren't we at Hogwarts yet? And man, we could be playing Exploding Snap right now if we were down on the train. And yep. <laughs> and you know what I would have loved, though, is a payoff on the flying car. If they had made it a lot longer, like if, the, like it's great to have it that length and to have Harry falling out of the truck and uh, the car and stuff. But I would have loved to have one shot of inside one of the rail cars. You see Fred and George staring out the window and they just like drop whatever they're drinking or eating because they just see like this whole scene unfolding and they're just like, whoa. <laughs> and I would have loved for them to be like, what was that all of, you know, some sort of payoff of, of someone or everybody seeing it because that was a big thing with the flying cars. They got praised as heroes and people were like, whoa, that was so cool. And then someone came in and just totally hampered the mood and said, well, don't get, I mean, they no, didn't no, know quite. Snape Snape intercepted. They were like in the book. They were looking in the Great Hall yeah, from outside. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. no one even. They didn't get their triumphant return. But they did after they got in. When they got were to like, the, well, that was pretty cool. But I I think that was wasn't because they were seen from the train. I think that was because they made the the evening profit. Yeah, but that's uh, but like the whole thing with the train scene taking forever would have been it would have been a cool payoff for somebody to have observed it yeah to to actually see that celebration because we didn't we didn't get any of that like yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna make this triumphant entrance and it's gonna be we didn't get any of that bravado no instead we got filch who is again like overacted and underutilized it's because we needed to meet filch in this movie before mrs norris yeah that's the. That's I just. It, <laughs> I just piece that together. Oh, That's really? why Filch is the one who catches them. Oh yeah, yeah. Because we already know Snape, and we have plenty more Snape to see. But we needed Filch in that moment because we of, needed to remind yeah. people, hey, this guy exists, and he yeah. has a cat, and he's not the cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that reminder. Right, right, yeah. right, right, not a right. Cat. Not a cat. Shoot. <laughs> okay, I'll get this right. I'll get this right. Uh, yeah. So that's why we had Filch. Um, he was he looked right he kind of moved right but his writing was just poor um and he was never revealed to be a squib there was just no uh no payoff with his character except for him being upset about mrs norris yeah there there was no depth no. for his character we like no. he didn't even really strike me as um grieving mrs norris <laughs> his mouth quivered he, a lot <laughs> he was angry Mm. but i didn't get like that that very human like my best friend is maybe dead yeah instead we got you killed my cat which maybe is a fair interpretation of the book but in in the way i imagined it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's you you see more more wounded grief there yeah um and I think maybe the actor wanted to convey grief because, like, Dumbledore said, like, a reassuring line of, like, well, soon we will have the mandrakes, and then they will <laughs> oh, milk God, them, so and they will heal the petrified cat, because I know how this works. Are you the godfather? No, that is exactly how Dumbledore sounded. <laughs> Every time that man spoke, I'm like, are you okay, man? Like, are you- No, he's dying. <laughs> yeah, he's dying. That What a strange choice. Oi, that's terrible. Did they know? Like, did did they just, like, just cast him based on looks? I mean, clearly they didn't know he was going to die soon, or else, you know, that'd be really sad. Um, 
and it's a tragedy that he died but it's also a tragedy that they didn't cast someone else i'm sorry that's really mean i'm so sorry i just don't like this dumbledore i'm sorry uh one thing uh i i will admit um I would I won't say that this is the acting that's the problem, but mm-hmm. that scene, enemies of the air beware. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Dumbledore just knows everything mm-hmm. right away. And he's like, Oh well, Madame Pomfrey Madame Pomfrey will be able to make a potion out of the mandrakes that Professor Sprout is growing and it'll be great. Mm-hmm. And he just he just knows everything right off the bat and that cat isn't dead it's petrified and he hasn't even touched the cat right it's like yeah man what what is going on here you just conveniently know too much information yeah he saved us a lot of time with that one which maybe we i mean obviously we needed to save some time because you know we needed to get those extra six minutes in of every effect ever yep but yep. <laughs> needed more more of that basilisk no I, the basilisk was cool um one thing an effect that i really wanted to see and i didn't get was the dueling club that like chaotic insanity of the dueling club i liked it though uh i i do wish that we had got to see all the students you know like you said be the chaotic thing i i think lockhart looked like a little bit too much of a good teacher in this he's still not a good teacher Mm -hmm. and he still is clearly not a good teacher but to single out two people and show it's like no he's an irresponsible mess yeah, yeah. and i wanted to see that and then to kind of have snape think like okay i can i can wreak some havoc with this like yeah like let's let's really make you uncomfortable yeah like let's i'm, I'm gonna that that potter kid's ticking me off let's let's make have some fun here what about that throwaway line of snape being like you should probably teach them a defensive spell first and then he doesn't, and then they just move on to the next scene. That was in the book. Yeah, but he, no, but in the book, Lockhart tried to show them how to block it, but he's just like, yeah, just hold up your wand and just say this. But like, oh, he, yeah, he did like true. a really poor job of he, it. He like does a complicated wavy thing, and, yeah. and Harry's like, wait, what? Yeah, and then he's like, anyway, next. It, you got it, kid. <laughs> this time, like, Snape went and very like thoroughly got the camera pointed right at him. Maybe you should teach them a defense spell first, and then... Nothing came of it whatsoever. They just went on to the next scene, and Snape's like, great, all right. Even though you just completely ignored what I just said, let's go. It's just, it, I, I wonder if, like, something got cut there. Uh, dueling Club. I did really like the set, though. I really liked that stage mm-hmm. that they were on. That oh, was yeah, cool. it was gorgeous. Yeah. It, that was part of why, like, I, I really liked the face-off. Mm-hmm. The kids are so appropriately dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is absolutely what two 12-year-olds about to get in a wizard duel looks like. And yeah. we didn't get to see that in the first book or movie because they have a wizard duel, but they don't. Yeah. Um, But, like, we kind of finally got to see, like, this is what we look like when we face off. Yeah. How was everybody cool with Draco going at two, though? Like, how is everyone like, yeah, good job. You totally cheated. It's it, That bothered me. I think that's Slytherin. Yeah, Slytherin. It, mm. It's mm. just like they're for their guy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Try not to get political. All right. On <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, Aragog. I feel like we covered everything with Aragog. It was beautiful. It was condensed. I, I, 
I personally liked the transition into Aragog. Yes. I liked how um, how Hagrid and Dumbledore were escorted out, and rather than Harry and Ron trying to figure out what they're going to do next, like they yep. just follow the spiders right there. Yep. That's very clean. Didn't waste any time. Should have done it in the book. Yep. Because the book made it real awkward where they went and then they saw the spiders. Uh, I still don't really understand why the spiders were walking in a straight line when they never used to do that, but now they're doing that. That was never really explained in the book or the movie. You could say, well, they were running away in fear because they heard the basilisk, so they were all running, but in a straight line. Uh, but they just never really... Anyway, that's a that's a minor detail. But yeah, like you said, I, I liked that Hagrid's gone, and that scene was perfect. That whole thing with uh, Cornelius Fudge coming in and Lucius, uh, Lucius Malfoy coming in, I think that was almost word for word from the book, wasn't it? It, it was almost spot on, and... And everything about it, from, like, the awkward lines that are intentionally awkward. Yep. And, oh, just every single thing about it. I think it's people arrive in different orders. Yeah. Lucius Malfoy arrives last. And it's Lucius Malfoy and Cornelius Fudge who arrive together. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dumbledore shows up. So that's, it's not quite word for word how the book goes, but... It was fine. It was like, um, we're going to one up. And then when Dumbledore arrives, you sort of, in the book, get the sense of like, oh, Dumbledore's going to save today. It's yeah, fine. Things will get better. But instead, the, this <laughs> heightens the tension of, oh, things are getting worse. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I think that that was a, a fine narrative choice. I didn't have any problem with it at all. But yeah. and And I just loved... Dumbledore's line actually sounded like, yeah, this is a graceful thing that I can just say, knowing that there's someone in this room who can make something mm. of it. But you're totally going to buy it as me just being a kooky old man. And <laughs> it's going to be great. There was the 10 second cut from Dumbledore's eyes to Harry and Ron under the cloak to Dumbledore's eyes again to Harry and Ron under the cloak. <laughs> and it just like went and, back and, and forth a few times. Malfoy like looking over his shoulder like, yeah, back to Harry and Ron under the cloak. Like, and I'm just like, do you have a lazy eye? Like, what is going on yeah. here? And I'm just watching like, we get it. We, we get it. it could, it's good. Move on. <laughs> that's fine, though. A little too long. Yeah. A little too long. That, that's almost every interaction in this movie, though, where it's like, it's as if they were like expecting applause breaks between certain lines and stuff where there was just like an awkward just like few seconds where I'm like, okay, let's go. It's so many times during this movie. Uh which again wasn't the writing. It was it was just one of those things that made it feel like a musical where it's like a like college level musical, no offense, Dan, but like where someone delivers a line and then the person who's supposed to say the next line is like, Well, I think my character would wait a couple seconds to process this and then say something in return. Where again it, that's not how conversations work. Uh usually people are like talking over each other and I know that they don't want that, but like people think a little bit faster than this movie gives them credit for. And people respond a little bit faster than this movie gives them credit for. But whatever. And then we go into Aragog. Yes. And so you you liked the actual Aragog scene where they're talking to him? Yep. Or... Yep. I thought everything was good except for the very last part where there's a reprise of the spiders. See, and I thought with Aragog, I think it was fine. Except for, and this is going to sound terrible, mm. he was too British. Oh, like yeah. he seemed too prim for a a. It's sort of in, in the book. He has a wife, and he's sort of like this weird, like 
wild yet domestic mm. mm-hmm. creature. And he just felt too domestic to me. Too, and I don't know if that was the effects. Like, they didn't want to, like, mm-hmm. make him too physically active. Mm-hmm. Or if it was the voice. I think it was the voice. I think it was the voice. And I think they didn't want to make him too scary. I think that was really it, where they're like, this is already a lot for kids to take in. We want him to sound a little bit more friendly and approachable. And no, none of the clicking and the clattering as he's talking. And in reality, he admitted himself, the only th- person he ever really interacted with was Hagrid. So how did he learn to talk like Kelsey Grammer if the only person he ever interacted <laughs> with was Hagrid? Like, there's there's huge... Hagrid doesn't even have that good a grammar. <laughs> Hagrid has terrible grammar, and Hagrid would be like, oh, no, so no. you think the snake would just be like, but it's not that. It, he he talks crazy. as if Dumbledore had raised him his whole life, except without the cotton swabs in his mouth. But uh, I, think, I think it really was to make him less scary, because it was already just so much for kids to take in their spiders everywhere. He needed to be a little bit friendly and approachable, and like he wouldn't just go off the chain and attack him. Whereas in the book, it was very much like, this guy's a wild card. He's a little bit nuts, and he could just lash out at any second and end this himself. Um, So that's my thing with Aragog. But the den was beautiful. Oh, the stage, the whole setup, and how they kind of went underground for it. And it was was like a spider cove. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that worked for me. It was a really cool mood setter. and, And I really liked how Harry and Ron dealt with it. Yeah, like Like, Ron was kind of hamming it up a little bit, but... It worked for me. Yeah. Of like, he's the one who's like, we followed spiders here and there everywhere, and Mm -hmm. I don't like it. And can't take his eyes off of everything else. He's like, the big one, I can see that in my periphery at all times. But all of these other ones, the And then for Harry to be, Harry is just so zeroed in and completely unconcerned with everything. And it just, that could look really inorganic. And I thought that they did a really nice job Mm -hmm. of making it seem realistic. Yeah, it was very much aimed at children. The whole scene was right down to the surface. You could almost see Ron like gulping and like pulling at his collar. Like, we should really be looking out here, Harry. Uh, <laughs> but that's fine. That's I. That's great. It it worked. Ron is super annoying, but Ron is super annoying in the books too. So whatever. Uh, Ron was less rude in this book, and there was. Uh, there was less Hermione in this book than I would have liked. But uh, speaking of less Hermione, mm, mm-hmm. that's an interesting assessment. I didn't really feel that. Um, but there was one scene that changed, and that was Hermione knowing what <laughs> blood means. Oh yeah. Um. So so she Malfoy calls her that mm-hmm. in like the worst West Side Story style <laughs> rumble is terrible. Yes. It is yeah. so bad. It's real um, bad. Yeah. But Malfoy calls her this name and she understands what it means. And that bothered me a little bit hmm. because I, I sort of liked how Ron defended her and she didn't even really understand why he was defending her, but she understood that something wasn't good. And, yeah. And it, it, it sort of... I, I guess I, I can understand how she could have picked it up because she's smart and she reads mm-hmm. and she's probably read some history of racial slurs and stuff like that. But 
I just really didn't need Hermione being the exposition bot about what it means in Hagrid's cabin. Yeah. But I think that the reason they did it was probably partly needing more Hermione, which I didn't really realize. Hmm. And also partly wanting to show her hurt. Yeah. Because otherwise it's it's Ron defending her and not re- her not really needing defending necessarily because she wasn't hurt. And, and it gets way more complicated and needs more explanation. Yeah. Whereas I think the movie was trying to convey, yeah, her being hurt, but her also being like, well, my feelings are really hurt, but I'm going to explain what this technical thing means because I'm Hermione. And that's what I do. Is, is that even when I'm hurt, I'm here to inform. And I'm here to think about, like, the answer to questions. Uh, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, like, I just want more Emma Watson. I, it's just Hermione is so cool in the books, man. And she's just such a cool character in general. And I think Ron just sucks. So, not the casting. Uh, but, like, Ron as a character just really bothers me. But Hermione's way cool. So I just kind of wish we got to see a lot more of her. So that's probably just my bias. It's, I really, despite all of that, one thing that I loved in that scene was seeing Hermione hurt and Hagrid comforting her. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. maybe one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. Yeah, I liked that a lot. that interaction. It was very quiet. It took the time that it needed. They didn't clip it. Like, yeah every other scene in the movie they just let it have its space and they let her look sad but comforted and let hagrid just be comforting yeah yeah i i'm more and more convinced that hagrid in the books i don't really care for that much hagrid on screen robbie coltrane that man knows how to make me love this character he is such a good casting choice for hagrid even that awkward scene where Hagrid was coming in to defend Harry's honor and be like, no, it's not Harry, which was done so poorly in the movie. It was done so poorly where it's like he was even like holding a dead rooster and like. <laughs> and no one explains <laughs> no why one explains ever. Why. <laughs> uh, but even that I'm like, oh, but Hagrid actually makes it where even when it's this awkward scene and you can tell that even as he's acting, he's like, why is the director making me do this and say this right now? He still made it work. Uh, yeah, it's very good. I like Hagrid in the books a lot. Um, I think I, I struggle with how much exposition there is Yeah, yeah. through Hagrid. Yeah. Which is funny because I think I would have been able to handle exposition from Hang- Hagrid on <laughs> blood. <laughs> so that's a little hypocritical and I understand that. But yeah. Okay, is, uh, oh boy, what's the name of the boar? Um, Fang? Fang. Is Fang a boar or a boar hound? Boar hound. Boar hound. Boar hound. So the... A boar is a pig. Yeah. Honestly, in my mind, I pictured Hagrid with a wild boar. That he had, like, trained as a pet. It's a... <laughs> That would make sense. It's a boarhound. 
And in the book, it says Boarhound. Okay. Mm-hmm. It actually is Boarhound, so mm-hmm. the movie is actually correct. Yes. See, it, for some reason, Fang was always just a wild boar to me with little tusks, and he would squeal away in anger, or squeal he... away because it was scared. So, uh, we need to wrap up here relatively soon, but... Um... Let me see if there's anything else. Hmm. What did you think about Riddle's death? Ooh, that was cool. Yeah, where it's like you stab one part of the page, and that's the part of him that's like, and there's light shining through it. Yeah, I liked that. It was it was a little melodramatic for me, but <laughs> d- just the like, I'm gonna stab half the book. Yeah, and then another half the book. And then we're gonna open then it. Gonna, and... I'm gonna flip the cover closed <laughs> and do that too. Like, I'm really the, gonna get it. The three fur, I think, was a little too dramatic. I completely agree because <laughs> I thought the exact same thing when he closed it and then stabbed the cover. I'm like. What? Like, it, there's so many little moments like that where it's just like, one too many, one too many. It, you know, shake it three times, you're playing with yourself. And it's just, um, yeah, a little, little too pat on the back for themselves with that. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I'm trying to think if they completely cut it and just did one, two, I think I would have been fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have felt too fast because they gave it enough time for it to be like, oh, you stab it, and that happens. Mm-hmm. Do it again. Awesome. You killed him. Great job. You know what ruined the whole scene with Tom Riddle being a memory for me, though? Um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, let me explain. Because it there's a certain part in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Fantastic movie. Great comic mm-hmm. book adaptation. Such a great um, homage to the comic while being a movie. Not just like a, a scene-for-scene version of a comic book um but there is an evil twin scene with scott pilgrim where he has to like fight his evil twin and then they end up being buddies at the end of it but the evil twin is this silhouette of him and it's fuzzy around the edges and you can kind of see through it and it's exactly what tom riddle should have looked like but instead tom riddle just looked like a guy standing there and he couldn't move and he couldn't really do anything or interact with the world but you can't really and he says i'm just a memory i'm just a memory but it's like make him just a little bit transparent make him just a little bit fuzzy make his voice just a little bit echoey or distorted like a flashback or something and i will buy it but with its current thing where it's just a dude standing there but he can't really move and he's like what are you doing don't stab that but he doesn't move towards him he doesn't walk he doesn't do anything with his hands i just really wish that they could have just made him just a little bit more see-through evil twin fuzzy around the edges because that's how I pictured it in my head. Or showed some of the growth from memory to more tangible. Yeah. Because um, that just... was... I, I, I think he, they sort of grayed him out a little bit. Mm, like Not enough. <laughs> not enough. But yeah. I, like when, when I was a kid, I thought that he was wearing Ravenclaw robes oh. because the white looked almost blue. Is, are the robes black and blue? No, are they no, on, sorry, on, on his tie. On his tie. <laughs> People say different things. It depends on the context. Um, on, on his tie, the white on white striped mm. on the white and black tie, or gotcha. white and green tie, looked blue. Hmm. And so I, I thought when I was a kid, for some reason, like, why did they put him in Ravenclaw robes? He's the mm. heir of Slytherin. What is going on? And I totally thought that it was like something that the filmmakers knew that they were telling me something about Voldemort that I didn't know or something. Yeah. yeah. But um, 
And just just showing us a progression of of that. I would have gotten behind that. I wonder how hard that was at the time. If maybe it just wasn't because because the light the light death thing with the light shining through his chest looked a little hokey. Yeah, it, it was not stellar graphics of all of the graphics in the movie. I think that was my least favorite. Yeah, it was very of, much like... of the 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 least natural looking yeah well because it was a a hard-edged shape that was knocked loose from him it was something like it wasn't just like an actual like tear is is like it, it looks like it was just kind of vectorized out mm-hmm. though i will say a little miss imdb when did lord of the rings come out 2001 when did this movie come out mm-hmm. 2002. Yeah, they have no excuses for not being able to make it. Okay, their budget and the budget for Lord of the Rings had to be wildly different. Yeah. Okay, then. Their budget got better with these movies, but they were still campy at this point. Man, they should have trimmed that last minute off of the Aragog scene with the spiders chasing them and made Tom Riddle more convincing. Yep. Or the last minute off of the Quidditch. I would have taken that in a heartbeat mm-hmm. because Tom Riddle, that was a very important thing that they made really awkward. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, it, it was it was fine, but like the death was fine. Mm-hmm. Introduction to Tom Riddle needed some work. Yeah. Um, one last thing that I wanted to talk about before we get to favorite and least favorite changes. Yes. Um, we didn't really talk about it. I just complained at the beginning of Dobby. Oh, uh, okay. We'll, we'll talk about Dobby. I, I want to talk just a little bit about how this made me hate Dobby more than I should have hated Dobby. See, I already hated Dobby. So I came in fully expecting to hate Dobby and being just fully rewarded in that. Here's my issue with Dobby. Mm. And I think it's graphics. Mm. His facial expressions make him look mischievous. And like he is gleefully enjoying what he's doing to Harry. Hmm. But in the book, I think he feels genuine pain and angst over, like, I am hurting you right now, but I'm hurting you so that you're not hurt more. Yeah. yeah. And so there, there's this no- nobility to what he's doing, even though, like, occasionally he kind of gets really excited. That, like, haha, I finally found a thing that's going to stop you. It's yeah. going to be great. You're not going to get to win. And then he's like, oh, shoot, I said it. And now you're going <laughs> to. Yeah. But there's there's something about his presence physically that, that the graphics made him look like he was enjoying torturing Harry. Yeah, I'd say it was the twinkle in his eye. Mm-hmm. Because it's those CGI eyes, Captain, uh, that just, they're just always glossy. Or at least they were in the early 2000s where it's like, if there are cartoon eyes or CGI eyes... Wow, that's hard to say. Uh, they're just always kind of be going to be like a little bit glossy, a little bit of the, the sparkling in them, a little bit of light within them that makes them almost look happy. Maybe. I think the eyes were part of it. I think also just how much he smiled. Oh, yeah. He yeah. smiled all the time. And granted, he's like, he's in the presence of someone who he is in awe of. But he's also pained at the fact that he's hurting someone who he's in awe of. Yeah. And he's also scared. For this person who he is in awe of, who is not listening to him. And he should be frustrated that he's not trusting him. Mm -hmm. Frustrated that he can't tell him things, which I think they got sort of close on that. Yeah. The self-punishment was there. And and sometimes over the top, but sometimes it it was, it felt true 
to Dobby. Yeah, yeah. And and then he should feel like I I am in the presence of someone who I really respect and and I'm scared for him. Yeah, yeah. And we don't get to see that. And I just I think it was 100% a, a physical representation and a little bit of the voice. Yeah. It's just like I don't this is a mean character. He's mean. Yeah. And that doesn't ring true with who Dobby is. He did seem to really enjoy the whole little cake shenanigan. Mm-hmm. I did like the way he was freed. I liked that he put the sock inside of the book. That felt a little more natural than him just putting his sock on Lucius. Like, what? Like Also, it didn't make sense that Lucius would toss the sock yeah. carelessly no. in the book versus, like, I'm going to give this book to this guy and not realize what I'm giving him. Exactly. That, it was a lot sneakier. Yeah. That was good. Um, I really didn't like the you shall not harm Harry Potter, though. No, that sucked. It The delivery was, I was so heartbroken because I was like, that was maybe one of my favorite parts reading the book, actually, yeah, this time yeah. around. And it was not done well. No. I do like that Lucius keeps his wand uh, holstered. <laughs> he has like a little clippy, like, <laughs> I like that. Uh, pretty funny. It's fancy. Well, it reminds me of old people with their cell phones. Love you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> And, they, and they're belt clips. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where it's like, that is so unnecessary. But all right, you do you. It's great. Uh, Anything else you wanted to talk about before changes? Uh, it kind of goes into changes a little bit. But okay. there is a lot more Ginny. I loved Ginny in this. Ginny, Ginny was great. is like the brightest spot of so this film. good. Yeah, yeah. It's her... her instant reaction to harry at the burrow is Mm -hmm. so like the comedic timing was perfect finally and just they needed a win Ooh, yeah it was so good they needed something to be on for comedic timing and they actually hit it there Mm -hmm. uh yeah i liked Ginny in this movie more than i liked hermione and that made me a little bit sad but knowing that Ginny is you know she's a somewhat important character i think she probably gets glossed over for a few books but knowing that she is an important character in the long run it makes sense, but I really did like her and her reactions to things more than Hermione. I, I, I think they put more time into Ginny partly because she's in it through the whole thing, and Hermione's petrified partly through. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then she's a cat for the other part. And yeah, it's it's sort of tricky to deal with Hermione in this because how much CGI can you handle? Yeah. Like, can they show her as a cat in the hospital wing? How expensive is that? Can they show her as a cat in the bathroom stall? Not really. (laughs) Yeah, that was brutal. (laughs) I don't think it's supposed to be pretty. It's supposed to look like an accident. And it did. Yeah, it definitely looked like an accident. It looked like a mistake. Mm. Looked, uh, someone spent a lot of time on that. Uh, So what, what was... The best change from the book to the movie, in your opinion? Mm, best change. <sighs> Less Colin. Virtually no Colin. Uh, no, that's not it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> but. You, like, only saw, like, two seconds of the... Re- they they nailed the casting. He's, it's I, true. They co- completely got rid of the exposition at Colin for that entire <laughs> chapter. I forgot about that. Yeah. I blocked it out of my memory. That was a good choice. In the movie, they're like, meet Colin. He sucks. Yep, Colin's frozen. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> uh, so, Les Colin was good. Oh, um, 
the again the transition to the spider den that definitely nailed it i saw that and i'm like great choice thank you that was one of the few times that they nailed the transition um one of the very few times that they nailed the transition uh i also um oh boy i liked how they expediated gilderoy lockhart um i I don't know if that really because it's not that different from the book um but i feel like just how they they because i remember when i was reading the book i'm like they are shoving this person down my throat i get it gilderoy lockhart stop talking about him please and they would bring him up in classes and harry was oh he was making harry do all this role-playing stuff and it's just like freaking a this is way too much gilderoy but the movie had less gilderoy but they did just as good of a job with him. Mm-hmm. And I'm he like, was he was one of the most compelling characters on the screen, and they yeah they cut him out for yeah. a lot of it. They cut was, him out of the polyjuice potion. Yeah, which thank goodness. Like a little frustrating, and when when you try to think about the logic of why do all these kids have access to this thing, but yeah. you're not going to think that far. Well, and it's you're just not you. Don't, if if the question is not presented, you're gonna accept that this is just a really hard potion that they're gonna try, and yep. it's fine. Yeah, and I mean, there's the whole notion that it's like, wait, didn't Dumbledore say that everyone should exercise caution? And then McGonagall was talking about how the whole school, everyone needs an escort, but we never actually saw that. Everyone just roamed around freely, and it didn't matter. Like, there were no implications to the school being locked down whatsoever in the movie. Um, which is why we saw less Lockhart, but uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot about the like enforced curfews and yeah. Which, I mean, there there was no time for it. It was no. McGonagall tells Harry and Ron about Hermione, mm-hmm. and then they go talk to Hagrid, and then they get chased out of the forest by Aragog, well, and then they learn about Ginny. Yeah. And McGonagall does make an announcement to people, like, she does say something, I think she just, like, speaks it in the air and all the students hear it, where it's like, you know, everyone will need an escort, the school is on lockdown, and Dumbledore does turn to Harry and Ron, or maybe Hermione was still with him at this point, but he says the words, everyone should exercise caution. And I'm like, thanks, Dumbledore, (laughs) that's helpful, buddy, that's great, man, that's have, have any uh, areas of the castle that we maybe shouldn't go in? Yeah. Any? any? <laughs> Help us out a little here, buddy. A little bit of something. <laughs> something. Exercise caution. Great. That is actionable. So you know nothing. <laughs> That's what you're telling us. Yeah. I saw that. I, I saw him deliver that line, and I'm like, all right. This is this come along. Garbage. Nicely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, less Lockhart, but just enough Lockhart. That was very much something that I enjoyed about this movie. So that on top of um, less Colin, um, more natural spider transition scene. That's those those were some of my favorites. How about you? Best change. Mm. Um, I I think uh, I I just picked one. Um, and oh. I I think my best change. It was hard to pick because there there were some that were really good. Um. We didn't have Tom Riddle 100% exposition bot in Chamber of Secrets. Like yeah. in, in the chamber, we didn't have him just like over explaining everything to Harry. He has to over explain some things because Harry's not getting it. Mm-hmm. But then he just goes and goes and goes in the book. 
I would argue the flip side of that coin is Harry becomes the worst dialogue of the entire movie. So, yeah. But yeah. I'm really glad, like, Tom Riddle seemed, he was a really compelling character for the short amount of time that he was on screen. Mm-hmm. And I was captivated by him. And it was because they didn't mistreat his dialogue. Yeah. Even down to his scene with Dumbledore where he has that sh- that mirror conversation that Harry had where it's like, is something on your mind? And he's like, nope. He and does a really fine job acting it. Yeah, great job with that. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, I guess, uh, have you... S- uh, stupid question. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. The, the older brother character that is kind of a false flag uh, where we think that he's possessed with the spirit, but really it's his little sister. Mm-hmm. And it's the same actor that he's going to be the Flash in the Justice League. I don't remember what his name is. That's mm. terrible. Either way, uh, Tom Riddle kind of reminded me of this actor. And I mean that in like a good way because I'm like, yeah, you play They're this. They're like, great. Yeah. yeah you, you have the posture for this role. You have the hair for this role. You have the brow line for this role. You make it work. Um, you don't have that Henry Cavill chin, but that's okay. Uh, Ezra Miller. That's Ezra it. Miller. There we go. <laughs> I'm to be it. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that time that Voldemort spelled his name out and then it rearranged with the letters, though? That was fun. That's uh, the was, effect could have been worse. That's true. <laughs> like, it was true to the book, and man, I, I still hate it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tom Riddle, that was your favorite. I think that was my favorite change. Mm. Um, there weren't a ton of changes, like, and the changes that were there, some of them bothered me. So, some of the things that. Uh, the, there were there were things that were lost that I missed mm. in this one, um, and so I'm I'm just gonna go straight into that. Which um, the thing that I really wished to see, and I didn't need it. We didn't need it in the narrative, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to see it, and it was the Death Day party. Yeah, there's no room for that. There's anywhere. no narrative room for it, but man, it would have been cool. <laughs> they even had they introduced nearly headless Nick from a voice off screen, saying. It's nearly headless Nick as we see him floating through the air. Then he tips his hat at a couple students. We have, it's this disembodied voice. That's just, hey, that's nearly headless Nick. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, disembodied voice. Appreciate that. I just go back to what you said when we were talking about the death day party in the book mm-hmm. about the only real purpose that this shows us is that if you don't get to know the ghosts, you're missing out. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like the movies miss out because they don't take time for the ghosts. Wow, I actually really agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, because the ghosts don't matter. Even Moni and Myrtle is just there for exposition and then to deliver that super awkward line of like, if you die, you could share my stall. And I'm just like, stop, (laughs) stop that. I know it's in the book, but don't. Just please. Like, of all the things you cut from the book, you couldn't cut that you one, too? You couldn't cut that. You just <laughs> had to keep it in. Because there's that weird grimace that both him and Ron had. And I'm like, all right, Chamber of Secrets. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> to our deaths. <laughs> please let it be a true death. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, Ugh, that was weird. So I uh, I really missed the death day party. I also, from, from an actual narrative perspective, missed the Valentine's scene mm. where where the dwarves were tackling Harry and all that and yeah. then they spill ink on Harry's books making Harry yep. think this diary's weird. Yep. 
it maybe would have taken too much exposition to to explain what happened there. Mm-hmm. But maybe I don't think so. And I really it uh, Harry writing in Riddle's diary feels out of the blue. Like why why do you find this diary out of nowhere? You yep. literally found it in a toilet, so it's probably covered in feces. Yeah. And yeah. you decide you're going to open it and write in it? Like that's Yeah. Not what you do with potential evidence. Yeah, that whole thing did not pay off that well, especially with uh him immediately asking it about the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. More what? time. Give yeah. me more time. Stop that. Yeah. That it, it would not have taken much time to have the Tom Riddle actual book conversation of nope. who are you? I'm Tom Riddle. I went to school at this time. Hogwarts is crazy. Oh my gosh, Hogwarts. I'm here. It's bonkers. Yeah. Like it, it, it was like a five line interaction before Harry ends up in the book. It does not take that long. And if there's anything that's important in this movie, it should be putting an emphasis on the diary. That's really important of all the things to just like shorten it to this short little thing where it's like the, the diary had no personality. None. No whimsy, no personality, no like... Everything that the book worked so hard to put into the diary, the movie stripped out most of it. And no curiosity to it before Harry even figured out what it was. It didn't make sense that Harry was fixated on it. Yeah, it would even make sense, like, even the whole Valentine's Day thing, I completely understand why the whole Valentine's Day feast and the Gilderoy and paying for a bunch of uh, little people is very expensive. Spill your ink on your books or something in the library. And that's weird. That one didn't get dirty yeah exactly that would have been excellent but nope it's just for some reason he just sat down and started writing in it and yeah i agree that was definitely an unfortunate change so those those are my least favorites they're they're a little less hefty than the Mm. the uh philosopher's stone one i was like blanking all of the other harry potter books were coming to mind yeah right so what was what was your least favorite Mm. oh real quick i do want to say fox was beautiful i am so excited for us to have just like a butt ton of phoenixes for him to put in order i'm so excited for that uh because he was very pretty pretty cgi bird Mm -hmm. um so it's going to be great. I hope he puts them in the So curve. many in order. So many. So in order. I hope he lines them up. I think they come perfectly. in rainbow order. So it's a Roy, Roy G. Biv situation. Ooh, Roy G. Biv. <laughs> uh, <that's, laughs> there's, there's some joke about there about Voldemort's little brother. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is Roy G. Biv. He's disappointing. Uh, <laughs> and then there's Ragnarok overshining everyone in the middle. <laughs> Take that, middle child syndrome. Right. Uh, worst changes. Let's see. I wrote down worst changes from book to movie uh, includes Quidditch. Yep. The whole... Mm, I know they can't take Quidditch out. I realize that. But man, everything about Quidditch was terrible. It should have... If you're going to exist, pay off. And if if not, just take it out. Especially because it's like suddenly out of nowhere again if you haven't read the books or if you haven't watched the movies which i know very few people went into this movie not having read or watched i get that but just suddenly quidditch and they're just playing quidditch and that's just a thing they do and that's just normal and we're supposed to know how it works and why it works and what these things are and it's like they never even just suddenly they're playing quidditch and apparently that gold thing you're supposed to 
uh, it, it was just so rushed and so drawn out at the same time. Anyway, so Quidditch, terrible. So you wanted the book to be able to stand alone? Is that... And you wanted the movie to be able to stand alone? Because... They have the really awkward rumble where they establish there are teams and Harry's yeah. on the team this and they true. need to train a new seeker and and Malfoy's the new seeker and we kind of have an idea that Harry's the seeker and uh, I think you wanted the Colin exposition that no. I, we were so glad to lose or what what it what would have because you can't get rid of it because Harry breaks his arm and that's how he yeah. But he ends up in the hospital wing, and then he figures out that Colin's petrified, and Colin's not petrified of Harry, who's not in the hospital wing. Yes. And so that needs to happen. I, I guess what I've wanted is for this to be a better movie, but um, no, <laughs> at the end Don't of the day, all. yeah, right. At, at the end of the day, they spent so much time showing them chasing the, the snitch around, like have just even a referee at the beginning. I love the Quidditch coach lady, whatever her name is. Madam Hooch. Yeah, Madam Hooch with the falcon eyes. She's way cool, right? Just have her be like, in the beginning, be like, all right, you guys know the rules, and open up the case, show all the Quidditch balls, be like, all right, first person to catch the snitch went. Like, I, I know it would have been exposition, I know it would have been showing us stuff that we already know, but like, You just, probably would have hated it. I, what you're describing right now, you would have hated. I would have hated it, <laughs> but I hate even more that they're like, oh, people just know exactly what's going on and we're just going to do this for five minutes and that's cool. Even though there's no, they didn't even talk about there being a Quidditch game upcoming. There was just like suddenly, so all of a sudden they're playing Quidditch out of nowhere. And I'm just like, what? So you do want the film to be able to stand alone? At least a little bit. Like, at least a little bit. Like, because this way, it, there's no, it has no legs to stand on as a standalone movie. At I don't all. think it needs to. I don't think it ever pretends to be a standalone movie. Maybe I, I think there are like some that. things that they over, they overexpose. <laughs> they, they get too, they give too much exposition. Well. Trying to pursue that. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's because the, the movie hasn't quite decided whether it wants to be able to stand alone. I guess here's the thing. The book stands alone. Yep. Yeah. The book stands and alone. And we have problems with how it stands alone. I'd have more problems if it didn't. I guarantee you. I'm going to be unhappy no matter what. You know, it's like politics. <laughs> You're but such a malcontent. <laughs> I am. I, I, I'm going to pick it apart no matter what. But the fact that this just is barely even tries to be a standalone movie. And when it does, it's really sad. And they just like just couldn't even bother to try and make it a standalone movie. It's like, all right, sure. Uh, so includes Quidditch. Um, again, I didn't really... Something was weird about the blocking with the introduction of Malfoy. And just in general, like, I, I know I already brought this up, so I'm not going to focus on it too much. People don't talk that way at all in the movie. There were weird gaps between a person would say something and then there would be like two seconds of the people looking at each other. And then the other person <laughs> would say something and then they would look at each other, especially with like Lucius Malfoy. Oh, so bad. He would say something and then it would kind of like zoom out for a little bit and we'd kind of see everybody soaking it in. And then he'd say a couple more. It, the dialogue was super unnatural and weird, um, but that's not a change from the book to the movie. So I guess my final one that actually is a change from the book to the movie and not just me being super picky, whatever, is Fred and George suck. Fred and George suck. There's no payoff. They're boring characters. They're not fun. They're not whimsical. They don't interest me at all. They don't need to exist. It, like, Percy showed more personality grabbing the letter from Quirrell than 
either Fred and George did for the entire thing. Like, I was more like, oh, Percy, man. Like, yeah, Percy. Let's find out more about Percy. Grabbing the letter from who? Quirrell? Nope, that's somebody completely different. Errol? Errol. Okay. I'm like, I think I know what you're talking about, but I just want to make sure you're not referencing the previous movie. No, my fault. Um, From uh, Errol. It's it's like, I was more interested in Percy, and he had, like, no screen time. We heard his name, and that's it. But, like, Fred and George, just completely unconvincing. And that, to me, was probably the most disappointing thing in the whole movie. I think part of that is, in in this movie there's no real other than Malfoy there's no red herring mm. there's mm-hmm. no person that that you can really be suspicious of yeah yeah that's true in the book Harry Ron and Hermione are only suspicious of one person but we as the reader have a lot of people to be suspicious of yeah and I was running around like crazy racking my brain being like who is it can't be Lockhart because that makes no sense it can't be Snape because of what it, it's not Hagrid yeah. So, and as part of that, Ginny is has some weird interactions, and Fred and George then become her caretakers. Yeah. And yeah. Ginny is not a suspicious character in this at all, and is not a weak character ever, where, whereas in the book, she gets sick, mm-hmm. and she's scared, mm-hmm. and she looks like she's just having the worst first year of her life. Yeah, totally. And Fred and George take it upon themselves to cheer her up and they do a terrible job most of the time. And that's most of their scenes mm-hmm. in this is taking care of Ginny and being or and attempting to be good older brothers. And so by diminishing that part of Ginny's character, which in some ways probably made her more likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. We lost some of Fred and George's likability. Yeah. That's yeah. my analysis of that. I agree with you. I, I I wish that we had some of that effect on Ginny visible mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. any way. Yeah, whatsoever. But we don't. And and even just like some of the great moments of um, Fred and George being like, here comes the heir of Slytherin. And like mm-hmm. this really funny moment in the book was reduced to like this little line. I forget what the line of dialogue was, but they made... One of them said a line to Harry when they were kind of in a group setting. I'm like, oh, that is their replacement for the boys being doing this grandiose gesture thing. Like, this is what the director, again, is like, well, we can't just ignore that and pretend it never happened. We need to have some sort of reference to it. Eh, we'll just have him kind of say this offhanded to Harry where it's like, oh, and they think you're the heir. And I'm just like, it nope. Was, that nope, w- nope, 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 nope. That was a mix of taking the place of Fred and George being really grandiose about it and also the Hufflepuffs. Yeah, that like, whole it, thing. It was of... a mix of all of that school suspicion just in one line. And it was like... Poorly delivered. Yeah. It was really uh, uncomfortable to watch and quiet and in the library. And like, I know you picked the place because that's where the Hufflepuffs are talking about yeah. it. But why couldn't it be like in the Great Hall where it was at least like loud and suddenly Harry enters and suddenly it goes quiet? Yeah, yeah, anything. And instead we saw, like, one thing where it's, like, Harry was walking by a group of girls and they turned away from him or something. It was really no payoff with that either. Yeah, it mm. it could have been a little more dramatic. Yeah. A little less. It, it looked almost like it was in his head at this point. Well, and it was super rushed. It was, like, two scenes. And then there was, and then it was, like, on to the next thing. Uh, so those are a few things that we didn't like. But you know what I do like, Alyssa? 
What's that, Clark? Our listeners. I do too. Shoot. <laughs> you guys have been with us through like two whole seasons now. Wow. That makes me so happy. It's been a, almost a year. Yeah. And I'm just getting grumpier and grumpier and people are like still listening, even though I'm just like, bah, 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 bah. And yeah, it works. I don't know. So, You're an intelligent uh, grump. <laughs> an intelligent grump. I you think. make good arguments. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Shoot. So, yeah, big shout out to our listeners. Um, we actually did get some Harry Potter haikus. <laughs> what was the one Brenna sent in? <laughs> it was me about just being so wrong about Percy. It was so funny. It was good. Let me find it. Mm. I did promise to read that, and then I proceeded not to write it down. Mm-hmm. And then Oscar Aguirre, you've been a consistent little beam of sunshine in my Twitter feed. It's so funny. <laughs> I have to vet my tweets so carefully so I don't accidentally spoil something. But it is it is so worth it for the for the little moments that I get. So um, big thanks for that. Uh, who else? Austin, thank you so much for chiming in every now and then. We just have some good listeners. There's going to be a few, too, that I, I don't know. You, you pay more attention to the Twitter feed than I do. But, um, man, it's been just really cool spending almost a year doing this <sighs> let's see here's here's brenna's harry potter haiku clark was right about the snake but he was really wrong about percy <laughs> thank you brenna thank you oh that's so good ah. oh, i love love the harry potter haikus yeah little things like that it just makes me so happy of course, the iTunes reviews are always good. You can always use some more of those, though. Uh, hook it up. I'll read it on air. I'll ham it up for you. <laughs> I'll do it. Believe it. Uh, who else has interacted with us? I think Cody said something about it. Man, it's just been cool. Um, so do you have any highlights of the season? I know I'm kind of springing that on you. I know after a really long week, so I'm like, <laughs> really long week. Um, hmm. I'm just gonna after. glance through the, my episodes real quick. <sighs> Honestly, the the biggest highlight of the season for me, and it didn't even last very long, and I and I I, I squandered it by the end of the episode, and you didn't even <laughs> believe it by the end. Was you thinking that Percy was the heir of Slytherin yeah. for the briefest of brief moments? And then I hammed it up too much, mm. and I I'm not I'm not good enough yet at at looking sheepish and like not knowing yeah. what to do with when you when you have a something else in. Your... <laughs> but I'm just but not was... <laughs> I'm not good at misleading you. I I got so close, and then I walked us away from it really fast. That but that a... moment was the best moment of this whole season for Dude, me. The, the clouds parted i saw the sunshine for the first time and i'm like i have been hoodwinked this whole time look at this i i was just i was so that fire mixtape mixtape was yeah. not a fire mixtape he was not making a fire mixtape at all we have been misled uh so yeah that was hilarious for sure um i also liked the naming of of voldemort's brother yes that was really fun that was great um that's a running joke we will keep for forevermore it's so good i liked that i wasn't completely off with the phoenix like going inside of the basilisk and blowing up i i was like 90 percent wrong but i was like 10 percent right that the phoenix would take it out the phoenix took yeah. it out for sure i just really wanted it to blow up inside of it <laughs> That was so good. Um, I, I, let's see. 
I also liked Young Goldor and how I was so upset because I wanted to say it so bad, but you were quicker and better at it than I was. <laughs> and I'm just like, shoot, I do not like being one-upped on puns, but you got me. <laughs> Young Goldor was excellent. Um, what else? Boy. Uh, I really liked I, I I liked talking about what's the point of a house elf if it doesn't fold your laundry? <laughs> It's still a logical hole. It makes it's no sense. It's such a hole. Uh, because really, why have a house elf if it's not going to fold your laundry? What should the actual <laughs> way to free a house elf be? Oh, boy. Asking it to sit down. Um, boy, the That would be good, way. actually. Ask, yeah. Asking it to sit down. Yeah, yeah. Asking it to take a break. Yeah, pull up a chair, have a beer with me, you know? And it's like, what? And you're like... I think you heard me. You've done enough work for today. You'd be like, what? Master wants to have a beer with me? And I'm like, just just drink the beer. <laughs> like, don't so, make me regret this. Just, just sit down. I mean, down. I can't undo it, but don't make me regret it. Take it or leave it, buddy. <laughs> if you want to keep folding, or by like, all means. Or like, want a beer? And yeah, then right. they'll like, no, you're a horrible human being. Oh my gosh, I get to leave. And it's like, good, I didn't, I didn't actually want to have a beer with you. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, fine. Anyway, see you, buddy. Uh, yeah, I think offering him to sit down would actually be a pretty good way. Yeah, because I can't imagine how that would be a chore yeah. in any way. Yeah, because there's, and it's the sort of thing, I can always think of one little thing where he's like, what next, Master? I'd be like, well, I mean, I guess I haven't really cleaned the grout on my shower in a while. Like, I can always think of something for a house elf to do. But. Yes. This isn't a, a British society. Mm. And it's ancient. And there used to be the way of, like, you have to kneel and your your head is never higher than the king's. Ah, uh, yes. So I wonder if maybe maybe that's, like, you couldn't have something like that because in medieval times, you, you had to sometimes sit down to be... Yeah, sitting down is kind of an important part of existing. Hmm, so maybe not that. But like, be in. I I can imagine a time when an elf would be instructed to sit down mm-hmm. because the the king is lower than you right now, and that's not okay. Yeah, uh, how, unlikely, but potentially. In that case, uh, you would bake a muffin for it and give it a muffin. But what if you made food and then you want it taken care of and put put away? Oh, that's a really good point. That's like I'll, giving any food. Like, nope, you might. I, I want you to deal with leftovers. I don't want you to have food. Hmm. Letting it use your toilet. <laughs> I'm trying here, man. I'm trying. Modern invention. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, boy. Hmm. This is difficult. This is how they ended up with clothes. They're like, eh. I don't really... It was medieval times. Everyone only had one pair of everything anyway. Yeah. It's <laughs> awkward because how did the house elf get its initial pair of clothes? That's what I want to know. The, did it fashion it itself out of a burlap sack? Yeah, Dobby wears a pillowcase. So it just stole someone's pillowcase? Uh, perhaps giving a pillowcase to an elf is <laughs> not the same uh, as clothing. Uh-huh. It's laundry, but not clothes. Uh, interesting distinction. Well, uh, I think this is a great point where we could ask the fans. <laughs> Maybe not fans, but the listeners. Yeah. 
the people who have somehow miraculously stuck with us no matter no matter how mundane our conversation you about patient. clothes versus laundry is. <laughs> this is an important distinction. We do not have time for it because I could talk for a very long time about the difference between laundry and clothes. But um, what- Please let us know what the proper way to relieve a house elf of his or her duties ought to be mm-hmm. because everyone needs help with laundry <laughs> yep uh you can l- tweet at us at wordstruckpod on twitter or uh directly at me at Alyssa small or at clark hodges yeah or uh shoot us an email at wordstruckpodcast at gmail.com and we're on facebook i think yes we are yay, yay facebook <laughs> i totally actually do check that account it pops up little things like someone viewed your page and i'm like but who <laughs> cool story bro yeah, right? <laughs> I know. Isn't that just awesome? Every day I'm Facebooking. Mm, mm, let me go. So, uh, wow. Season finale. I feel like I should like edit in some like, woo, sounds here. Applause. Applause. Yay. <laughs> wow. I should really find some applause. Because if I don't, that's going to sound <laughs> real weird. <laughs> I'll just put these out of applause over me going yay. Uh, <clears throat> well. Thank you so much, Alyssa Small. Should we tell? Are we? We're doing the next book, right? For the next season. I'm right? on board. Are you on board? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? Um, What's the next book? The next. What do you think the next book is? Prisoner of Azkaban. Got it right. Woo! Nailed it. There's <laughs> like a griffin. Nope, nope. That's not a griffin. What is it? Head of an eagle, body of a lion, but wings. Oh, I thought that was a griffin. Um, it's not a hippogriff. Tell you that. Maybe it is a hippogriff. Find out on the next season. I am watching this. It's so great. Oh, it's so great.